0: I need some help from you all today. Uh, when you were a child, or if you're still in that demographic, what did you want to be when you grew up? Baseball player, Olympic skater, baseball player. Yep, a dolphin trainer. <laughs> of course, I could see it. I can see it. Future is still ahead of you, Katie. What else? What else we got? Anything? Teacher, mom. Was that a transformer? Cheese farmer, love it. Cheese farmer, wait, is that right? (laughs) Dairy, that's amazing. (laughs) I don't know how you farm cheese, but it's a whole thing, right? What else we got? A princess. Mm -hmm. You said Matt would say that? Matt, whoa. (laughs) You said baseball player. Yeah, yeah. For me, when I was a kid, I dreamed of being Robin Hood. Yeah. And not like from the old books or from the super old like movie, uh, Earl, Earl Flynn, right? Was that it? I think Earl, yeah. No, the, the Disney Fox is who I wanted to be when I grew up as Robin Hood. I, I started to get older and I, I matured a little bit and then I wanted to be Batman, you know. And then I realized that maybe it wouldn't work out for me, so instead I thought I could be a comic book artist. That could be cool. And then I grew up a little more, so maybe a graphic designer. And then I realized it's really hard to break through in that industry and all that stuff. I think I'll be a teacher, a high school teacher. And then that changed to elementary school teacher, and then finally, eventually, it got to pastor. How many of you are today what you thought you would be when you were younger? Yeah, that's good, Jerry. I believe it. Yeah, I see a few hands, and that happens, right? But also, look at how many aren't raising their hands. That's not just because we don't like raising our hands because we're introverted, right? It's a lot of us, plans change. Most of us even aren't doing what we thought we would be doing as a kid, let alone what we thought we would be when we graduated high school. Anyone change their major one or two or four times if you went to college? Yeah. Many of us, the majority of our plans as a young person, are radically different than what has actually happened. Some of the plans changed because you had a change in decision or or desires, or maybe you even made some mistakes along the way, so kind of an opportunity ended and you had to seek something else. But we also know that other plans changed because God had something else in mind. And around the Christmas season, you talk about plans. Oh man, so much planning is going on right now, isn't there? We were just trying to make our finalized Christmas plans yesterday. Mom and Dad, we still don't know. We'll get to you soon. It is complicated making all the plans and all the plans, and things rarely seem to go according to plan. So in our third week of our Simple Christmas series, we're going to look at plans. And I wonder... How many of you maybe have faced a change of plans this year that you didn't expect? I wonder if perhaps you've lost a job or you've lost a relationship or you've faced a change of direction you just never expected. And through it all, you're wondering, what's going on, God? This isn't what I planned. And and as you stand in that gap between what you planned and what never came to be, you just long for another way. You long to make sense of it. Today, in the spirit of Christmas plans and plans that go awry, let's look at the Christmas narrative, that first Christmas, and see how a change in plan may lead to the greatest gift imaginable. So let's turn to God's true word, Matthew chapter 1. We're going to start with 18 and we'll make some stops along the way. Hear now the word of the Lord. This is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. And because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. Mary and Joseph, they were making their plans for the future. Think about Joseph here for a minute. He had thoughts and plans for the future. It's going to be a beautiful wedding day. It's gonna be, it's gonna be everything we ever dreamt it would be. And then after that wedding day, all the perks and the beauty and the wonder of, of married life. And perhaps someday, someday out of that, there might be a child. There might be a whole flock of children. And maybe that, that, that first child will raise that child and I'll, I'll teach that child my carpentry trade. I will, I'll teach him the joy of building something with your own hands and, and taking delight in it and, and, and seeing something come out of, out of nothing. Maybe someday he'll take over the business. I long for that child to do great things. I long for that child to never suffer. I long for that child to never encounter hardships. For that child to someday have a family of his own. And when it's time for Mary, Mary and I to to have that child, I'm going to make the most perfect crib for that beautiful baby. I'm going to have oh, the most beautiful space in the home for Mary and for this, this, this baby to welcome them in. And then you think of Mary. What little girl doesn't dream of her wedding day? Think about this. Think about this. Think about what we just read in Matthew. It's just a normal day, and Mary has to have a chat with Joseph. But before that, think back to Gabriel talking to Mary. We read it in Luke 2 a couple weeks back, so if you haven't read it recently, you should go back and look at Luke 2. And she gets this news, and she accepts God's plan for her life. I am the Lord's servant. Think of Mary. I love God with my whole heart. I'll do whatever he wants me to do. But in that same moment, her plans as she knew it were completely over. Her step of faith, her step into obedience, it was onto a brand new path for her. God knew it all along, but it was a new path for her and it was a plan that she had no idea what was fully going to come out of it. Gabriel only gave her a couple details. And they were, they were big enough details, but there was a whole lot that she wouldn't know. And all the same, she said yes to what God asked. When she said yes to God, she had no idea what she was saying no to. And she said no to a whole lot. Imagine what must have gone through her head after that encounter with Gabriel. How am I going to tell Joseph? Is he going to believe me? What's he going to say? What's he, what's he going to do? He's going to divorce me. See, culturally, at that time, if you're a betrothed to be married, to break it off, you had to have a divorce. And what happens, especially to the woman who is divorced, is you're publicly shamed. In fact, if Joseph didn't do it privately as he said he was going to do she could even be stoned to death believe that she had, had had been unfair to joseph so she's probably worrying is he going to divorce me i'm going to be shamed i'm going to be an outcast i'm gonna have to raise this child on my own what 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 will my parents think what's going to happen to me this isn't what i had planned Think again about Joseph in the midst of it. His plans shattered. His heart in turmoil. An angel had not yet spoken to him when he heard the news. What's going on? How did this come to be? God has been silent for so long. Why now and why us? An angel? The Holy Spirit? What is Mary talking about? I've never known her to be a liar, This is just hard for me to believe. And it's so different from everything we had planned. This is not what we talk about. This was not the plan. And some of you, that's exactly where you are right now. Maybe this was the Christmas, you were going to do it so big Maybe, maybe you were going to just, just, just shower your family with the kindest and most thoughtful and, and extravagant gifts and you were so excited you've been saving up and saving up and saving up. And the snow hits and you get in a bad car crash. And all of a sudden you have to buy a new car and Christmas once again is going to be tight. This isn't what I had planned. Or maybe you took a new job, an exciting job, with ripe with opportunity, some risk, but it should be okay if everything goes according to plan. And then this economic situation hits us, and all of a sudden, the job that was secure is no longer secure, and you're out of a job. You don't know what's next. This wasn't supposed to be the plan. Or maybe you are super excited to finally gather together this Christmas, after maybe a couple years of not gathering with our family and our friends. But there's a bunch of bugs out there right now, and it's coming through your family. So it's yet another quarantine Christmas for you and yours. This isn't what I had planned. For many of us, Christmas can be so bittersweet. You thought you'd be spending Christmas with a loved one, Only for that loved one to no longer be with us. And you see that empty chair. And you remember who used to take that place. You remember the traditions, the memory with that individual. And the memories are as painful as they are sweet, for they are past. This isn't what I had planned. It goes on and on and on. Life does with things that we don't plan. I didn't plan on fighting migraines. I didn't plan on my kids turning out this way. I didn't plan on my marriage being rocky or ending. I didn't plan on this knee taking so long to heal. I didn't plan on this cancer diagnosis. I didn't plan on having this disability. I didn't plan on being alone. I didn't plan any of this. God, what is going on where are you? What are you doing? I don't understand any of this. If you're in that place, or when you find yourself in that place, remember this truth. We spoke this a few weeks ago. Remember this truth. You don't have to understand the plan to trust God has a purpose. Proverbs 19, 21 puts it this way. Many are the plans in a person's heart. Isn't that true? Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is The Lord's purpose that prevails. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose, to trust that His purpose is good, to trust that His purpose will prevail. Mary and Joseph's plans were shattered, nothing was going to be as they planned. So let's look, return to Joseph in this Matthew passage. Remember, he's just, he's just living his life. He's making his future plans. The news comes to him. His plans to try and now navigate this with as much honor and respect and integrity as is possible. All while his heart's probably broken. He's probably lost. He's probably confused, not knowing at all what the purpose of all this is or what the future holds. His plans have changed. He's crushed. But look now at God's purpose. Matthew 120. After Joseph had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Then look at this, the purpose on full display she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Can you fathom hearing that? Joseph was spiraling. He hears news of Mary and her unexpected pregnancy, that hearing that and trying to believe that's hard enough. And then in his sleep, God meets him. He has a vision. An angel of the Lord speaks to him, just like he has heard all about in Scripture happening. And in that dream, he hears. Not only should he not divorce Mary, he's going to be a part of this child's life. You will name him. You will give him the name Jesus. You will help raise him. This child will save his people from their sins. I mean, we all expect and long for great things for our kids. Can you imagine being told this is what the future holds for this child? It's baffling. But doesn't the news of God, the Lord's purpose, isn't that often so baffling to us mortals? It often doesn't make sense. Save, save people from their sins? How? But the weight of it all settles into Joseph. He gets the smallest glimpse of what God meant when he said back in Isaiah 55, Oh, my thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. And in his own miraculous moment of the angel coming to him in his sleep, Joseph realizes what we all must in our lives. The life we are living is not about us. We are a part of God's great, grand, true story. And we have an important role to play. He's the hero of it, but we have an important role to play. And there is work to be done. We are a part of something bigger, something grander. It is written by the author and the perfecter of our life and our faith. So Joseph does what the angel commands him. He obeyed. He let go of his plans, the many plans in his heart. Which, don't be fooled, that is no easy thing to do. And it is not a one-time decision. It's an ongoing decision. Through heartache, through pain, through grieving, through lament, we let go. But then Joseph stepped forward in faith, trusting in God's plan and God's purpose. Think back to that first question I asked you in our time together here about what if life went according to your plan What if life went according to your plan? I can now look back and praise God that my life hasn't gone nearly at all according to my plan. For starters, if I was Robin Hood, I'd make it like an hour until I'm like killed, right? (laughs) Or if I'm Batman, like the armor would like collapse me to the ground alone. I, If I was an artist, I'd be starving all of that. If, If I went to the art school, I thought I'd go to, I'd never meet Meg, right? Like there are all these things, it's very easy to start to see. I can look back now and praise God that my life hasn't at all gone according to my plan, but has gone according to his. Every now and then, God will interrupt our plans to bring about his purpose. Some of life's greatest interruptions, in fact, is God steering us back toward His purpose. And He will interrupt your plans too. It has happened here at Hope, hasn't it? Tonight we're celebrating 75 years of God's ongoing faithfulness in and through this place. Praise God. 75 years. That's incredible. There have been so many plans and so many hearts of those of us who have been a part of this place. But praise God, it is his purpose that has prevailed. I think of one such instance. Back, uh, many of you were present during this time. This was before my time, so if the details aren't 100% accurate, you can correct me later. But we Hope Church had property on Drake Road. You know Drake, like, like Drake and it's a busy road. We had a chance to build a big, visible church, which would almost guarantee crazy growth. But what happened? You prayed, and you prayed, and you talked, you debated, and you prayed, and you sought God's will for this place, and you prayed that, and all of that, all through that, you sensed that despite the plan in place, God had another purpose for Hope Church. God's purpose wasn't to move and go there, it was to remain. There is a recommitment to the very founding value of Hope Church, which was to bring the love and the light of Jesus Christ to this neighborhood. Staying here in the middle of Westwood, that means we won't be visible, not like on Drake to the thousands of cars passing by each day, but we will be visible to the dozens walking by here in Westwood. It means our ability to grow will be a little bit more limited, but our opportunity to go deeper with those we're ministering to and with will expand. And now, the day we are celebrating 75 years here in this place of Westwood, we celebrate the incredible work that God has done here. God has blessed that recommitment, and, and we recommit again to let go of our plans and to trust God has an important purpose for us in this place. That's one small example. There's many. And I think of my own life. I think, I think back to, to how it connects to here at Hope and that I once had dreams of, of going to some of those bigger, visible churches uh, in, in exotic, cool cities. You know what I'm talking about? and And I had dreams of being one of those pastors that doesn't have to preach most Sundays, <laughs> believe it or not. I never thought I'd be that good at it, honestly. I never thought I had it in me. I never thought I could come up with a fresh word from God's word every week, and it freaked me out. That wasn't what I was going to do. But in my journey, I had to let go of my plans. God was very patient with me until he bludgeoned me, and I needed that to let go. And I came to a place where I finally set my plans aside, said, okay, God, wherever you are sending me, whatever you have for me, I surrender to your will and your purpose. And guess what? I wasn't going to some exotic new big city. I would remain in the very neighborhood in which I grew up in. But not just grew up in but i was formed in i wasn't just formed in this neighborhood it's the neighborhood that is printed on my heart it is the neighborhood that i love and he's sending me to a church with that same love i won't be some part of a huge church where it's impossible to know everyone and i only have to preach like twice a year i'll be the lead pastor preaching nearly every week in a church where I have the honor of knowing every single person's name. And not just their name, but who they actually are. Their hearts. How God has gifted them. How he is growing in them. How he is transforming them. For all of us, we can look back and we can see how God has accomplished his purpose in the most unexpected waves. If you and I were to plan how the Messiah was going to be sent to save the world, it looked look like nothing like what we read of in scriptures. It'd be like we need to send, uh, uh, you know, God sent like angels to like those lowly shepherds like we talked about last week. If we we're planning it, every king, every person, huge glowing sign in the sky, the Savior has come. We're going to dress him in royal garments and shower him with, with with every good gift from the moment and everyone will know his name from, from day one. Mary will have the best midwives in the area, all of that. But no, no. His plans and his purposes are so unexpected. So as you look back in your life, how has he shown up in the most unexpected ways to draw you in as he fulfills his purposes. What waters has he called you to faithfully tread, trusting in him that he will uphold you and see you through? Because we're all in a different place now from who we thought we would be way back when we are young. And as we think back in our lives, naturally, We have hard moments pop up and say, well, yeah, but that wasn't, that shouldn't be according to anyone's plan because that was horrible. But as we reflect on God's character and his will and his desire and what he is doing and what he accomplished at Christmas, even in those hardest of moments, Even when we don't like it, even when we don't understand it, even when we are confused by it, even when we are hurting in the middle of it, years later we can look back and say, I would never choose it. I never want to go through that again. But I can see how God used it. You don't have to understand the plan to trust that God has a purpose. And because we know who our God is, we know his purpose is always better than our own. Think again about Mary. She set aside her plans to trust in God's. It's no easy endeavor. The birth story is not at all how she imagined it. Remember when we had our first kid, we're like, we're going to have this playlist we have flowers in the room. I'm going to wear yellow because it's a pleasing color. Meg likes it. <laughs> that, was a, that, was, that was a shock of reality, that first experience. And then it will be different with Crosby, and I almost had to deliver a baby on the side of West Main. We made it, barely, but it was good. The birth story wasn't at all how Mary expected it to be. Fast forward to when Jesus, he's just a young kid and he's lost at the temple. Parents realize, where are you? He's, he's at the temple. He's teaching rabbis. This isn't at all what I expected it to be. Fast forward to Jesus' ministry where Mary sees firsthand what it actually meant for her son to be the savior of the world. He's doing these miracles. He's doing these amazing things. It's not at all how she imagined and then Mary sees her son insulted spat upon tortured beaten broken stripped naked and hanging upon a cross and breathing his last and Jesus cries out my god my god why have you forsaken me and Mary cries out why god why this wasn't my plan. How is this your plan? Every way I look at it, it makes no sense. If the your plan, God, is supposed to be good, then why is Jesus on that cross? This isn't what I had planned. Her heart breaks. My son, your son is dead. Three dark days go by. But joy breaks through. Joy comes in the morning. Joy breaks through in the most unexpected way because Mary sees that stone is rolled away. Her son, the son of God, has defeated death. Her son, who was dead, is now alive. Just as the angel told her husband all those years ago, her son has saved the people from their sins. The purpose of that first Christmas, the purpose of the cross, the purpose of the empty tomb was you. He did all of that for you, to save you from death, to save you from sin, to make a way where there was no way, all to his glory and to his honor, so that every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The purpose of it all was for you and for his glory to be made known. So will you trust in him? As plans go awry, will you trust in him? When the darkness has no end in sight, will you trust in him and still hold to him and cling to him in faith, knowing that his purposes will be accomplished and they will be far greater than anything you can dream of? It's one of the hardest things we can do and living this life of faith. But his word assures us again and again and again that his mercies are new each morning and joy comes along with it. And even if this path of life God has sent you on is riddled with pain all the way to your dying breath, Joy again comes to you in the morning when you awake in the fullness of life in God's presence. That is the hope of Jesus Christ. That is the hope of of Christmas. Many are the plans in our hearts, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. So what plans are we clinging to and holding on to that we need to surrender again to the Lord? His hands are far more capable. His purpose is far better. What pains are you feeling today? Through whatever unexpected changes or things have come your way, what pains do you need to entrust again into God's healing presence? May we all let go. May we all trust Him. May we all follow him for he is good and his purpose is good and his love for you is as expanse as the universe that he created. I have no idea, no idea what God's plans are for you. But I know who our God is and that is enough to know that he has something amazing in store. I know his love for you I know he has a purpose for you. I know his ways are so much higher than our own. So though I do not know the plans, we can trust him. We can trust him. He is such an awesome God. So let's step forward in faith to follow him and to his plans and his purpose, letting go of our own, trusting in his purpose, trusting in the one who gave us life. Amen? Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. God, we are so humbled by your majesty and your glory and your beauty. We are so humbled that you hold this universe in the palm of your hand, that you breathe it into being, and you sustain it every moment of our days. God, we look to all of creation and we see that you have order, you have a purpose, you have a plan, and in your purpose we find our meaning. God, guide us and lead us again we proclaim and confess again together today that you are our Lord. You are our King. We exist solely to worship and glorify you and make your name great. So Lord, meet us in the hurt. Meet us in the confusion. Meet us in our chains of plans and assure us again of who you are, of how awesome you are, that you are at work even now, all to your glory and for our good. And you will accomplish your purposes. It will prevail. And we long not to be dragged in obedience, but to step boldly forward in obedience. So may your spirit do its work in our hearts, which we humble again before you, and we open up before you again to say, have your way in us now. That is our prayer, God. We thank you for who you are. We thank you that we can trust you. We thank you that you are so good to worship and to follow. So it is in the power of Jesus's name we pray. Amen.